A preacher friend of mine named Jimmy tells a terrible joke, and I'm going to share it with you. And uh, whether or not you find this funny, you may find this funny, you will understand what I mean by the end of it, that either way, it's a terrible joke. <clears throat> so a man was walking across a bridge one day, and he saw another man about to jump off. And he said to the man, stop, don't do it. Why shouldn't I? He asked. The first man said, well, there's so much to live for. Like what? He said. Well, are you religious or atheist? Religious, answered the man. Me too. Are you Protestant or are you Catholic? Protestant. Me too. Are you Episcopalian or Baptist? Baptist. Me too, he replied. Are you Baptist Church of God or are you Baptist Church of the Lord? Baptist Church of God, he replied. Me too. Are you original Baptist Church of God or are you reformed Baptist Church of God? And the man said, reformed Baptist Church of God. Me too. Are you reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1879? Or are you reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1915? To which the man said, Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1915. And the first man said, die heretic scum and pushed him off. <laughs> it's funny and it's terrible because it's true. <laughs> with religion and with so much else, it seems that there are two things. First, there are the fundamentals, the foundational core teachings and ideas and concepts. And then there's all the rest of the stuff that we spend all of our time on. But Jesus' message was simpler than we make it to be. Not easy, but simple and life-changing. And we get that this morning in the gospel when the scribe comes up to Jesus and asks him a question. And now, if you were reading this in the Gospel of Mark, you would have seen that up to this point, many people were coming up to ask Jesus questions, but they were asking questions to test him, to try to catch him off guard, to trick him into saying something that might get him into trouble. But this is a little bit different. The scribe comes up and he asks him an earnest question. And he says to him, teacher, rabbi, which commandment is first of all? And Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Actually, this was a daily prayer. It's still known as the Shema. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. When he said those words, not only was he answer, answering him scripturally, but he was probably reminding him of something that he had prayed that very morning. And it goes on that the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second, of course, is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the law in the Hebrew Bible includes more than 600 requirements. 
And any rabbi or teacher would have been expected to have given good thought into all of these requirements and to actually categorize them and to know which the primary laws were for folks to know. And so when the scribe asks Jesus this question, he's not asking if Jesus can name. He's asking which requirements will he name as the most important. And the scribe does not argue, but instead affirms what Jesus has just said. It's interesting, when you read it, you you hear him say back, almost parroting back what Jesus had said. Remember, in the early days when this gospel was heard, it was heard. It wasn't read. There there weren't written copies available for many, many years. And and the person who made sure that this is how it was captured in the official gospel of Mark wanted to know the hearer wouldn't miss it. It gets repeated by the scribe. He says it back to Jesus and Jesus' answer is, you've spoken correctly. And he says to him, you are not far from the kingdom. The scribe has gotten it. This is the fundamental core of the way of Jesus. Love God and love each other. This is the foundation that we stand on. Not a wobbly bridge, but a solid foundation. And I notice, I think it's interesting, in the reading, right after this happens, we are told that nobody dared to ask him any more questions because it was that important. Some of you may have heard of a young Christian writer named Rachel Held Evans. She actually grew up in the Southern Baptist tradition in a very small town in the South, and over the course of her life came to a place where she wrote beautifully and powerfully and spoke about a faith that was grounded and also inclusive. Rachel Held Evans wrote this. We could not become like God, so God became like us. God showed us how to heal instead of kill, how to mend instead of destroy, how to love instead of hate, how to live instead of longing for more. And when we nailed God to a tree, God forgave. And when we buried God in the ground, God got up. Tragically, Rachel Held Evans only lived to be 37 years old. She died unexpectedly as a result of an allergic reaction, leaving behind a husband and two young children. The other night, driving home, I heard on the radio about her last book. So she published four books during her lifetime, but she had begun work for a fifth book. And her husband, after she died, her husband asked a very good friend of hers, who was also a writer, if he would do the honor of finishing the book for her. Interestingly, he was being interviewed on the show and he said he didn't want to because then it would be emotional and and difficult to face the fact that she really was gone. But he accepted. I think he, he couldn't not do this when he was asked. And what he did is he went to blog posts that she had written, to sermons that were published, even to email exchanges that he had had with her. He made calls to family members, to her dad, 
to help complete what she had prepared. She had finished the first couple chapters, but had an, only an outline for the rest. And he has finished this out. The book, I understand, is about to come out. It can be bought. And in the interview, he was asked, what was it that animated her work? What was the biggest point? What was foundational to her and what she was teaching? And he said that there were three fundamental words, three words that she wished everybody could hear. And the words were, you are loved. And here it comes full circle. Most of us want to love God with all of our hearts and minds and strengths. And most of us want to love our neighbors as ourselves, and yet we often fail. And what is it? What stops us? Perhaps it's that foundational step that may be missing of knowing that we ourselves are loved too. And if each one of us is truly loved, and if we are each one of us lovable, then that means that each person we meet is lovable as well. If we can let that sink in and catch on and be our foundation, we would change the world in Christ's name. Amen.